Hello, welcome to episode three of Home Inspection Network. Uh, just identifying what home inspections are. Uh, we did it in the first episode. In the second episode, we went over what happens if the seller agents or the sellers are still there during the inspection process, and you as a buyer coming in wanting to look at the house and go along with the home inspector and identify what's going on with the house while he's looking it over. Uh, episode three, we're going to focus more on, uh, what happens when the home inspector comes with news like, just basic news. I mean, most people don't know what basic stuff is and what minor details are and like, so like cosmetic, for instance. So we'll go over all that right now. Uh, so we'll start with cosmetic. So cosmetic issues... Issues that you cannot get any credit for from the actual seller. So if you're buying a house and a home inspector found like a hundred cosmetic issues, well, they're cosmetic. Like let's say the window sills all have settling cracks. They're starting to separate. Outside the house, the caulking has deterioration along all the wood beams. Or if you have T111 siding, which is the siding that goes up and down, all of it starts to split and the screws are starting to come out. Or the nails are starting to come out. They have nails. Well, cosmetic issues aren't associated with the amount for the sellers to pay additional uh, back to the buyers. Because in the real estate world, cosmetic is just simple home repair. This is just like, uh, you know, like you need to repaint. You have, uh, you put pictures up for five years and you're now moving out of your house and you have the picture frame and there's like a little black square around where the picture frame was. Well, that's all cosmetic. And we also call it aesthetics. So it's between cosmetic and aesthetics. Cosmetic is issues like the caulking deterioration around the windowsills, cracking, settling cracks, baseboards, that kind of thing. Why aesthetics is like the painting, you know, you put a picture up or a painting up and you take it down and there's the around the side you need to repaint that area now or underneath window sills are starting to fade. Paint's starting to fade on the window sills around the house. That's aesthetics. Now, discolored windows. So discolored windows would be a problem. It's an energy sufficient issue now. Uh, California does provide energy sufficiency inspections, which some home inspectors can do, and actually very little do now, and it's starting to really uh, gain momentum, but it's very rare that you see home inspectors doing uh, a BPI, is what it's called, an energy uh, preservation uh, inspection, and basically what you're trying to do is you're identifying where the energy sources are, um, are lacking. So... Basically, a BPI inspection is where we would go in, we would cover the front door, and we'd put a giant fan in. We would suck out all the air in the house, basically making it a vacuum. We'd close off all the air ducts and all the returns, and it will tell us, through a computer and software, uh, what the energy output is going out of the home. The heat, the cool, everything. And the computer has like a... Um, a system set up where it has like a, a, a radar 
And then we can also use our thermal imaging devices to go around the house and look for areas that are also providing like hotter than normal air. Like if the windows are closed and the window blinds are closed and they even have curtains and those are closed, but we're still getting hot temperature more than 120 degrees coming from that area. Well, that would be an energy sufficient issue. And in that case, these type of inspections, we can actually do the repairs. After we identify all the issues, we go over it with the homeowner, we do the repairs, or the buyer, we do the repairs, and then it, the house is now energy sufficient. And it's sufficient enough up to California standards. So like SMUD has their programs where they have to be a certain um, certain amount of efficiency. Why? I don't think PG&E has anything right now. Um, but they used to uh, back in the 60s and 70s where they started changing out the windows and providing sufficiency. But since solar came in, it's kind of really taken a turn for a lot of things. So we have to provide certain type of information. We don't provide all the graphing. But we do provide a lot of different information. Uh, at the same time, we also, in the regular home inspection world, if we're not doing energy insufficiencies, uh, the home inspection side, you can get credit for the windows being discolored because that's either a gargon or a krypton gas uh, input. So there's gas inside your double pane windows. And the gas is either gargon gas, which turns a hazy purple, or a blue because it's a UV window protectant. Uh, usually in Viking windows, Midgar windows, uh, those are the basics, the, the easiest ones. The newer ones, Pacifica and so forth, they don't, uh, some of them use the UV, but very rarely. You have to have like a really high model, very expensive one. Uh, but if it's a new build house, they won't use, this, you know, $1,200 windows. They're probably going to give you like $750 windows and then charge you a, a bundle of money on it. Um, but yeah, so the, the windows have the gas inside of them, double pane windows, all double pane windows will. The Krypton gas, when it disperses, it will show like snowflakes, white little like circles or snowflakes looking things. Those are, that's a sign, sign, a telltale sign. Both of these are telltale signs of broken window sills. And some windows are easier to replace and some windows are more expensive. Most of the time to reseal a house window, just one window, is about $260 to $275 per each window. And that's starting down from Manteca, all the way down to Sacramento, to Yuba City, Marysville, that kind of area. Davis, Woodland, uh, Placervale, Shingle Springs, all, all the areas all the way up. All the way to Strawberry. Um, but if you go to the Bay Area, it's about $375. And this is like San Jose, Antioch, Concord, all the way up to Oakland, San Francisco area, that kind of thing. So you're going to get the different price ranges. Um, and the, the issue with that is that would be, since you would have a contractor come in and give you an estimate for how many windows are dispersed and how much it would be, that would be a very good credit for you. And it would also help you because once the job is done, and that 20, if you have a 30-day close, if you have a 20-day close even, you can still get it done. It's just contingencies is what your issue is. If you only have a 10-day contingency or a 7-day contingency, um, you have to get all reports in. It, it could be a big of a hassle because you have to call a bunch of places. And your home inspector should help you 
we're we are able to provide more than one referral for repairs so if we do a home inspection and we find five windows that uh have broken window sills we can provide you with up to two no let no less than two and no more than five referrals if the home inspector wants most home inspectors will agree to do this for you and the lazier ones won't they'll be like oh no find it yourself um but nice home inspectors, ones that want to help you, you can tell which ones are the good ones, which ones are the bad ones, you know, just by talking to them for a few minutes. Uh, but that's how you how you would find who you need. And that, that only goes, doesn't only go for windows, it goes for everything. So if I'm checking the stairs and we're having, uh, you know, staple popping up and hurting, or even uh, there's a thumbtack underneath the nails that holds the carpet in if it's carpeted, and those are coming out and I can feel them with my finger, then yeah, that's another, that's a safety issue. They have to fix that. And then we can give you a referral for who can fix that. Um, other areas of the home that are provided, but we're going to go back to the very beginning. I'm a little bit off topic there. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, so if the inspector comes to you with these minor issues, these are cosmetic aesthetics, then yeah, no credit. If he comes with you with uh, some areas of the house has separation and it's more than one inch. So you're inside the house and you're noticing that, uh, you know, the home inspectors can't close the doors correctly. Well, that's a sign, could be a sign of structural issue dependent on what else we find. So we're looking for one inch cracks uh, that's left to right and then as long as one foot. If these cracks exist, then it would be considered a possible structural issue, which we would have to give you a structural engineer. Um, and we would advise that onto our report as well. So my reports are always the same day. And home inspectors should be providing those reports the same day. If they're providing for you in 24 hours and you're the only inspection of the day, uh, yeah, that's that's a bit lazy work. But, I mean... You've already paid for the services, or maybe you haven't paid for the services yet, and you're going to that evening with the um, after they send you off the report. And that's another thing, the report software. Not all report software is easy to read. So far, I've been using HomeGage for about 10 years now, almost 10 years. Before that, about 8 years actually, it looks like. Uh, but before that... We had our own. We were using a free software when I first started for the first couple of years, and a lot of realtors didn't like it. And they got a lot of complaints, so I had to, I had to, you know, restructure and find something new. And there's a lot of software out there that's free, but I have noticed the best ones are as if if the home inspector pays money for it. So like HomeGage, I pay like eighty nine dollars a month. It's a bit high, but trust me, I mean it's one of the best. HomeGage provides everything in there. They have templates for uh, ASHI, for other home inspectors from InterNASHI. So it's, it's in different home inspection classes. But it's definitely set up for home inspector. It was made by home inspectors for home inspectors. And it, it has one of the best um, in-graph system for the clients easy to read everything comes right up all the pictures we take is all in there descriptions are easy to input we can do it on our phones we can do all the reports on our phones send it to the cloud 
go to our next inspection, do the report, send it to the cloud. It makes it very easy. Um, but if you, as a buyer, look at a home inspection report, and you just cannot understand it. You're like, what is this? I see pictures. I see some stuff. But I'm looking for the kitchen. Where's the kitchen? That's something that you need to talk to your realtor about because they'll be able to help kind of uh, clean out everything. They can put it in a PDF form. They can circle it. And then they can send it off to you in an easier way through an email. Home inspectors, some home inspectors are, are very, um, they just don't want to do anything else after they've helped you and other home inspectors will do whatever they can to keep helping you even after they've helped you and uh that's what that's what, that's what we do we want everyone to feel completely satisfied with their purchase and not only their purchase but also the inspection report as well when i do inspection i look at every detail of the house i use a flashlight not all actually no other home inspector uses a flashlight the reason I use a flashlight is because I'm also a termite inspector. And so as a termite inspector, we use a flashlight during our inspections to identify termites and the walls and discoloration and areas where there's holes. You can't see tiny little holes just by walking through a house, even if there's shade in the room. You know, we have to use a flashlight. I think all home inspectors should be using a flashlight during their inspection. It would really help find every detail, every issue with the house. But I don't see a lot of home inspectors using the, the flashlights. Um, I hired three home inspectors. They weren't using flashlights. They've never used flashlights. They've been doing it for 5, 10. One guy was doing it for 20 years. Never used a flashlight. And uh, I gave him a flashlight to use. And he, last month, I believe, he's been there for three months now. Last month, he said uh, he said it was amazing. He said he found more than he he's ever found in a in a in a house and he was surprised that the flashlight actually helped him uh and i say yeah yeah you can see the discoloration and the and the paint you can see when they change the paint from one color to another you can see where it's been faded you can see previous repairs easier on the ceiling um a lot of times on the ceiling they'll have a previous repair and they'll paint over it like six times you know it could have been from like 10 20 years ago 15 years ago and you won't be able to see it so these kind of things we have to keep looking for and i had to find new progressive ways as a home inspector and a termite inspector to kind of incorporate everything from my termite into my home inspections because as a termite inspector i i look at things differently you know you've termite brain you're looking at like holes you're looking for uh dust you're looking for frass which is the the termite uh dry wood termites left over uh, from windowsills, walls, uh, wood, exterior wood, you know, everything. Use a flashlight outside as well, uh, even on the, uh, the eaves, softened fascia area, just to identify if there's any, like, bird's nests, uh, even bats. I mean, I see a lot of bat um, droppings and bat handles along the walls, upper walls of some of the bigger houses uh, out in Placerville. And then sometimes if I'm, like, in town, like in Sacramento area... Uh, you know, you you can see a lot of different things. Like rats will run up the the EIF stucco. So you're like, whoa, well, there you go. You can see where they got in the house. And then you don't have to worry about a pest exclusion because even at a home inspector, you can just say, hey, you know, this is my report. You can see the rat. They just, you know, 
left droppings up the wall or he uh, just crawled up. You can see the markings from it where he scratched and tried to get into the house. So it's a home inspector's job is a lot of work. But as a home buyer, your job is really just to look around the house, find anything that you're worried about, and then tell your inspector you want those investigated more thoroughly. Of course, he's going to look around the house. He's going to look. He's going to find everything. But sometimes home inspectors miss things, and they miss things because they're going too fast. They're thinking about something else. They're not concentrating. So, as a as a longtime home inspector, and I have my own home inspectors that I train now. Even if they've been doing it for twenty years, I'll retrain them because whoever trained them probably didn't do a good job or. You know, they, they do bring stuff, stuff to the table. Like some homeless veterans will bring me information that I find helpful. Some that, uh, you know, like I believe our newest guy, Gary, he's been doing homeless specials for 10 years. After one house, underneath the house, uh, doing a crawl space, uh, he started doing something. So sometimes the crawl spaces are inside the house. You know, if it's like 1979 to 1984, lifted foundation uh crawl spaces inside the house and in the closet and then maybe the closet door doesn't open very much and it's very hard to see and that provides a very difficult issue getting back to that crawl space when you're done inspecting the crawl space you don't know where you're you know you are so you have to map the house and uh so what he did he put a string going down and he'd bring like a little string he'd wrap it around his his flashlight, or he'll just put a string down so he knows where it is. Uh, sometimes he uses a stick. Like sometimes he just doesn't matter what it is, but he'll always use something to put in that area so we don't get lost. We can go right back to that area again. It makes it a lot easier. And that was something that I never thought about. It's like, oh, I just map the house and I like try to remember, like, oh, okay, there was a shoe there, or maybe that's you know, some people will put down um, uh, polyethylene paper there which is a type of um hard paper the same thing we use for controlling uh moisture inside the crawl spaces um and it's it's a good idea to do something and also if if you see if you go into a basement and there's water in there don't go and step in the water there could be electrical uh issues you know and that could be accumulate to it there are home inspectors who have seen water filled crawl spaces or areas of um basement and they just went right in and they unfortunately they got electrocuted and uh they passed away so we are all very cautious ashy which is american society of home inspectors which we belong to um provides us with a lot of details in all of our training and also provides us with um, uh, with books. We get like these magazines every month that provides us with more additional information on how to do better inspections. So yeah, so energy conservation is one of the biggest right now in California. And then uh, Northern California area, the Bay Area, uh, the ASHI recommends us doing um, testing of the ACE, the, the heating system, if there's an AC that they've inputted, then we check that as well. We just check the temperatures to identify if the temperatures are actually functional. So like, it has to be 10 to 15 degrees difference. Why, Internachi 
they don't check the temperatures. They just see if it's functional or not. So they can turn it on. And I have noticed that sometimes I have gone over Internachi's um, home home inspections uh, due to the fact that when they turn on the AC or the heating system, the system comes on, but nothing actually blows out. Like the vent just comes on or something like that. So that's why we check the actual air. And yeah, if I mean, if Internachi wants to comment, if they want uh, maybe a home inspector comment and say that they do check, that'd be great. I would like to know more about the other home inspector uh, branches and what they do provide on their home inspections and how much training they're recommended. Uh, I just know that ASHI, we are recommended at least 40 hours a year additional training. Uh, I'm about to hit my 40 hours probably this month. And we do training and everything. So we're doing like, you know, additional piping systems. We're doing, uh, right now I just redid my hot water heaters for uh, tankless hot water heaters. So all the tankless hot water heaters and um, we have to identify some of the newer houses in Mountain House, California, are putting sediment tanks in there. Sediment tanks prevent dirt and debris from getting into the, the fuel lines. So this it's just a few different things that we have to provide uh, on our special reports. I don't know if others have to provide that or not, but it's just something that we do have to provide on on ours. And we, and, you know, and I make sure that all my reports are very thorough with different types of uh, descriptions. So if I find a window that has a broken window pane, um, cracked or chipped, I would go. You know, the double pane window was noted to be. Uh, cracked or chipped in this area, downstairs or upstairs, uh, bedroom, front or back, and recommend repairs by a window uh, contractor. And then secondly, uh, may need to be resealed, you know, that kind of thing. So usually they'll replace, but if it's just a minor crack, they will sometimes, they will repair that crack, reseal. And windows for a house are not cheap. They're like pretty pretty expensive, seven hundred fifty dollars to you know twelve fifty and up. So it really depends how big, how wide. If it's a four by four, four by three, or even bigger than that, you know, you gotta be really. It gets pretty expensive. I've had to look at windows myself for my house, and I was I was dumbfounded. Like I could not believe the prices just for two windows <laughs> could be like twenty eight hundred dollars. It's like that's that's ridiculous. Just for two windows. And I have six windows I need to replace. So I'm like, oh my god, it's just going to be so dang expensive. So yeah, that was um, that was part of the whole chapter three, uh, configuring what, what cosmetics, aesthetics, um, energy conservation, that kind of thing for your house. We'll go over more in the next episodes, like what happens if your broken window still breaks more than once. Actually, let's go ahead and talk about that right now. I don't care. Um, okay, so if you have a pool in your backyard, you're more likely going to have almost all those windows going to have broken window sills if you're using chlorine in your pool. Actually, even if you use salt in your pool, the water, when it evaporates, the wind moves that evaporated water towards your house. And when that happens, the chlorine is always going to be lifting out of the water. If you put a high amount of chlorine inside your water, 
the sun hits that water, evaporates the top water of your pool, it hits the windows, and within a year, you have a broken windowsill. You'll probably have, if you have four windows in the back, you'll have three out of four. If you have six windows in the back, you'll probably have four out of six. And that'll be upstairs and downstairs, not just downstairs. Mostly it starts with downstairs. You'll see the broken windowsills, the discoloration. They'll start turning purple haze with lines in them. When that happens, it's the pool. How to prevent this? There's a couple of ways. There are these um, kind of like a film. It's a uh, poly polyethylene film that goes over the window. It's a UV film that can cover your window. The film will deteriorate instead of your window sill itself. The reason why the window sills deteriorate and they break because of this chlorine is because they're made out of vinyl. And when vinyl gets hit with certain chemicals over a long period of time, as well as sun, it starts to warp it. And when it warps, it starts to bubble out. And that bubble out is at the corners. So you'll notice that the corners of your windows, it's like, even if you have a pool right now, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's exactly what I have. My windows are discolored. I didn't know it was because the windowsill broke. Yeah, go outside the house, look at those windows, look at the corners. You'll see them start to lift or fade. That's because of that chlorine or the salt. The salt's not as bad as the chlorine. It takes a bit longer to deteriorate the windowsill and break that vinyl seal, but it will happen eventually. Uh, any pool in the backyard. doesn't matter if it's a uh, above-ground pool or an in-ground pool or a 50-50. It will always deteriorate that windowsill. Putting these films on your windows on the outside and then putting a screen on will help protect your house and make it last longer. Those windows will definitely last a lot longer. You need to exchange that seal every two to three years, uh, the film, and that film will allow you to uh, have your windows in pristine condition. That's the best way to do it. Most window sills will usually go after about six to ten years anyway, but you can check. They usually have a warranty on them, so you don't have to worry too much about them. It's about a ten-year warranty on most windows, ten to fifteen. The labor warranty is about one year, but 10 to 15 year regular warranty. So a manufacturer warranty. Um, and if you're not the first homeowner, just find out if the homeowner has that warranty still. If they don't, on the bottom left or the bottom right corner of that window and little black marking, it will be reversed. Um, but you'll need to just take a picture of it and then look at it and it will show you the actual name brand and the, the model number will be on there and the manufacturer will be on there. Uh, if it's Viking or any other brand, Midgard's one of the biggest. They always put their little symbols on the bottom left corner. And uh, mostly, actually, I'm sorry, bottom right corner. And then check the bottom right corner for right above the Midgard. You'll see a little manufacturer number. And then you can just call that company name, whoever it is, and give them the manufacturer number. And then they'll check it out, see when your house was built, give them the year, and then you can get that manufacturer warranty on your windows. Uh, windows are not the most expensive part of a house. They're going to be like probably the the lowest amount of your house besides, yeah, drywall is probably going to be pretty expensive. Your roof is definitely one of the most expensive. Attic spaces and crawl space repairs can be pretty expensive depending on what you're adding. 
Um, most crawl spaces who have, so houses built before 1974 usually have a crawl space and it would have, uh, underneath the house, will have your air ducts. So the air ducts will be going up, so your heat always rises. Um, and then the newer houses, if it's like a 1974 and they exchanged for an HVAC unit, they could have the heating going from the ground and the AC going from up top. Or they exchanged everything, closed it off, and then everything's going from the top. So you really have to uh, identify uh, what's going on when they added it. You can check this by when you, before you purchase the house, you are able to ask for the last three months of the electrical bill. So the, your real estate agent will get the last three months of the electrical bill, even if it has solar. Solar is the best way to do it. If there's solar on the house, get the last three months. Gives you kind of a good idea of how much you're going to be paying a month. Um, you probably heard this from other inspectors as well, other networks, even real estate networks or real estate agents. It's pretty common. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's basically what you're looking for when it comes down to pricing of a home is how well is the roof, uh, how are the windows, and uh, how well is the foundation made. Yeah, do we have the, do you have the water seal still? Is the foundation deteriorating? Is there a crack settling? That kind of thing. Well, anyway, that's good for Chapter 3. I'll go over more in chapter four. Uh, chapter four will be, since we already went over a lot with this one, will be probably the roof and understanding the attic space, since a lot of people don't even go into the attic space. And then we'll also go through foundation. Um, we'll go through carpet too, like lifting carpet and that kind of stuff. It's, it's pretty... It's, it's very rare now that people are going to let the carpet go bad and sell their house with bad carpet. They usually exchange it before they actually sell the house. But if it is there, we'll go over it anyway. Anyway, have a good evening or have a good day. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks. Bye.